It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. New Washington Commanders Stadium news right from the man who broke the story. Eric Flack of WUSA 9 is with us today, and we hear from someone on the Seattle Seahawks beat on whether or not Washington has what it takes to rip Russell Wilson out of the Emerald City. Then Chris weighs in on Chase Young as trade capital, a jam-packed episode for the weekend for you right now on the Locked On Commanders podcast. You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, Commanders fans, to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, free and available on all platforms. And we thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I'm David Harrison, covering the Commanders for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. My co-host is Chris Russell, the rooster, one half of the Russell and Medhurst show on the Team 9880. Find Chris and Pete there Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern or anytime Along with this show, just by going to the Odyssey app when we're not there and we're not here. We're on Twitter at DHarrison82, at WrestleMania621, and at LO Commanders. Once again, thanking you for making us your first listen of the day. Eric Flack, Emmy-winning chief investigative reporter for WSA9, joins us with some very interesting stadium news for your Washington Commanders. All right, David, and we have a special guest to start off our show on this Friday edition of the Locked On Washington Commanders podcast. As we're joined now by Eric Flack, a Merle and Emmy Award winning chief investigative reporter at WUSA 9 in Washington, D.C., of course, a Tegna owned station. Uh, and uh, we are very proud to be a part of that family. You can follow Eric's great work at Eric Flack TV on Twitter. And Eric joins us right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Eric, you, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. You obviously broke some big news. On Thursday night on WUSA9 and WUSA9.com in regards to the Washington Commanders' new stadium locations and some of the people that you've been talking to, can you take our audience behind the scenes of what you have found out? For sure, Rooster. Uh, And hi, David. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, listen, um, we know that D.C., Maryland, and Virginia have all said they want to welcome the Washington Commanders' new stadium with open arms. But we also know that no state has been more uh, out front 
on this issue than Virginia, uh, nearly uh, very close to passing a billion dollar uh, bond initiative to help owner Dan Snyder uh, finance uh, a new stadium in Northern Virginia. What we did not know is where that potential new stadium would be. And we were able to uh, obtain uh, some internal documents never before released that um, identified three different potential Washington Commanders stadium sites in Northern Virginia. We're not just talking about general locations like a city. We're talking about cross streets. We're talking about details on the entire complex. We're talking about plans that are pretty far down the road if one of those locations ends up being uh, selected uh, by the team. Um, there's three uh, in these documents. One is in Loudoun County, Sterling. Two are in Prince William County. One is in Woodbridge, about 25 miles from DC. Another one, and here's the surprise, a shocker to me, they have a site in Dumfries, Virginia. Dumfries, Virginia is about 35, 36 miles from the heart of the city. And you guys know with I-95 traffic, you are talking about a long traffic-filled ride on Dumfries. game days if in fact the Commander Stadium ended up there. So out of those options there, again, that, I mean, that, that would be quite the trek for a DC local to go, go attend the game and see the team. But out of those three options, which one do you feel like personally is, is kind of your favorite, your leader coming out of the gate here as we, obviously, I think we're still quite a ways away from a final decision being made, but coming out of the gate here with this new information, which one do you think kind of meets the, the demands of what the team might be looking for and uh, the happiness or the morale of the fan base? Yeah, well, see, David, those are two different questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I live in D.C., so my favorite is Sterling because it's the closest location to D.C. And you are still talking about, as you know, if you've ever driven the Dulles Toll Road, you're still talking mm -hmm. about 50, 55 minutes without traffic, without stadium traffic. Here's the thing. All my sources in Richmond are telling me that the commanders, the team, favors a Prince William County site. So <laughs> then, if in fact that holds, you're talking about, well, now we're down to two. We're down to Woodbridge, and we're down to Dumfries. We visited all three sites. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, if you look at what the commanders are looking to build with this stadium, a commander's mini city, if you will, oh. we're talking about a 14,000-seat amphitheater. We're talking about hotels, a cinema retail, nightlife, practice facilities for the team, team offices. When you look at that Woodbridge site and when you look at the Sterling site, to be honest, when you go out there, it is pretty hard to imagine, even though there is undeveloped land in both those places, it is hard to imagine jamming all that stuff in there. The only site when you go out there and look around and say, okay, I guess I can see this, there's space, is Dumfries. Does that mean it's going to be Dumfries? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that to the naked eye, and when you look at the plans that, that we also obtained and got to look at, the blueprints, if you will, Dumfries has the space. And I just don't know that Woodbridge or Sterling has the space. You know, Eric, it, it's, it, I mean, these are really interesting details. And as a guy who drives all around Virginia, uh, and I guess we all drive less now, you're right. The traffic nightmare could be 
something even Virginians are not used to. But it's interesting, as you were rattling off the information that you guys uh, and your reporting in WUSA 9 discovered, I started thinking in my head, well, it's a good thing, at least, that they're not in western Prince William County, that they're sort of near the I-95 corridor, which, while it would make traffic worse, it it does make the thoroughfare, it does make the direct route from D.C., from north, you know, southern Maryland, I guess, a little bit easier. And then even the location in Loudoun County. Sterling is quite honestly better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little further west. So can we look at this as positive, even though there are some negatives? Or are we looking at it just from a negative prism of, oh, my gosh, the traffic is going to be a nightmare to deal with, no matter which of these three locations they potentially go to? For sure, Rooster. I mean, look, again, I live in D.C., so I'm not going to be extremely happy unless they put it in D.C. at the right. RFK site. And right now, that looks like a long shot. Maryland is going to make a push to offer a, an incentive package to, I guess, spruce up and build up FedEx Field. But I believe that site just has so much stink on it from the past 30 years that that no. kind of seems like a non-starter to mm-hmm. me. But then you really are left with Northern Virginia. Quick stories, though. Quick story, though. I talked to a producer in my newsroom about this today who lives in Bethesda. He said, if they put it in Dumfries, you know, I, I just can't get there. That's impossible. To your point, Sterling, he said, is easy. Sterling, you hop over, you get on the toll road, and, and, and you're there. Um, so, again, I think the Sterling site would actually be pretty accessible. You, you got Metro that, by the time the stadium gets up, is probably going to be extended out that far. Um, the problem is... I continue to hear that people close to the team say that they like Prince William County. Um, And so that is going to be accessible via I-95 for some people, but it could cut off a section of those Mm -hmm. of those Maryland fans. We'll have to see. That's that's yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be a big part of this whole thing when the announcement or the decision is finally made. And Eric, we we talked about you know people in D.C. would love to see the team back in D.C. I know I saw your article, a former mayor of D.C. kind of rallying for for that idea. Maryland, like you said, has stated uh, that they plan on on you know not going down without a fight, so to speak. But I mean, is there is there any sense that you know Virginia, like you said, is up front and kind of really really pushing this thing, pushing legislature through, and, and now we have the identification of these three potential sites. I mean wanting something to happen right and really kind of going forth and putting in the effort are two completely different things are are dc and maryland really putting forth the effort you think that virginia uh, is at this time anyway i've been told david by city leaders um in both maryland and and dc that just because we're not as loud as governor glenn youngkin about wanting this stadium doesn't mean that we're not trying or we're not negotiating behind the scenes okay but but as you know Money talks. And right now, there is a billion-dollar offer on the table that's about this close from getting approved by the Virginia legislature, and it already has bipartisan support. It's on a path to get get, uh, approved. So, you know, yes, could there be other negotiations? Is this a foregone conclusion? Absolutely not. But when you're talking about the fact that we know that Virginia has been in talks with the team mm-hmm. for months. We now know that there are plans and diagrams and blueprints written out for three different sites, three mm-hmm. different 
approaches in Northern yeah. Virginia. And we got just talk from DC and a little more talk from Maryland. And oh, by the way, we already got a stadium in Maryland. We can spruce that up, even though right. nobody likes that stadium. You know, if you're a betting man, right? You know, this is the odds on favorite at this point in the race. And, and Eric, you mentioned if you're a betting man, certainly there's going to be some sort of sports betting experience probably on wherever they ultimately decide. You mentioned an amphitheater, team offices, practice facilities, all of that. There, certainly that is part of, of this plan. The question I have for you, did any of your sources have any information on this or do you know anything about this new proposed legislation coming out of the House Oversight Committee and Congresswoman Spire and other politicians on the Democratic side that said, well, wait a second, we don't want to uh, allow tax-exempt stadium construction bonds anymore, or is it too early to process what that might mean to wherever this stadium gets built and specifically in Virginia? Yeah, I mean, I think that if anything, Virginia is trying to get ahead of the game mm -hmm. on all of this. For uh, to put it another way, they want the toothpaste out of the tube. Right. Right. Not putting the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> they want the toothpaste out of the tube. I think they want to jump out almost like a horse race to such a big lead that the competition, including the oversight, including the regulators, just decide this one's too far down the road to pull back. Obviously, things can change really quick when you're talking about politicians, when you're talking about Dan Snyder, when you're talking about billions and billions of dollars. But when you're looking at the three competitors right now, you know, one is, you know, going all in, pushing all their chips mm -hmm. into the center of the table right now. And then you got DC and Maryland. Absolutely. And Eric, last question for me on this. The question that everybody really wants to know about, are we talking dome, open air or retractable roof or did the blueprints give away any of those details? The blueprints. And again, we were part of our agreement is that we would not show the blueprints, but I right. could report what was in them. Mm -hmm. The blueprints do have a like translucent sort of dome, but I think similar to maybe what they have at SoFi, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. with that like translucent top. Uh, Jason Wright was uh, asked at, during an appearance at the uh, Economics Club of Washington, D.C., a day after uh, the commanders uh, announced their rebrand about a stadium and was asked specifically that uh, about, about a dome and a covered stadium. And it was one of the answers that he actually was a little bit forthcoming on saying, look, when you're talking about what we're trying to do, it's got to be a, a temperature controlled year round facility. You know, yeah. we, the, the economics just don't work anymore um, when you're talking about building these monstrous stadiums for 10 football games a year and like three Taylor Swift slash, you know, Rolling Stones slash you know, whoever the, the big, the big tour of the summer is, yeah. uh, to, to pay off, you know, all the debt that, that the state is, uh, likely at least in Virginia going to incur. They need something that's a year round facility. And that certainly would lend itself where we live, uh, in this part of the country, uh, to a dump. Eric, this is a uh, great work. Uh, excellent reporting by you and the WUSA nine staff. Um, we're really appreciative that you took some time to join us. 
Uh, obviously, on the heels of this report, again, we want to direct everybody to WUSA 9 in the Washington, D.C. Uh, and greater DMV area, WUSA9.com for Eric's full report uh, on, again, specific stadium plans in the Commonwealth of Virginia, three of them, as Eric has been nice enough to share uh, with us through his reporting. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it and great work. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, David. All right, some interesting options for wherever the Washington Commanders may be playing before this decade is out and even more interesting items to look at over at betonline.net because football might be over, but basketball is in full steam, whether it's pro or college hoops, while the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just good for basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, thanks again, Washington Commanders fans, for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories all across the National Football League every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Along with David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell. Thanks for being with us again. Uh, make sure you're following David on Twitter at dharrison82. Read him in SI.com's Fan Nation covering the Washington Commanders. And you can follow the podcast, of course, at LO Commanders on Twitter. All right, David. So we have a situation here of, of course, Russell Wilson continues to be a huge name in the potential trade market for a bunch of teams, but specifically the Washington Commanders. It's a question David was asked on the Locked on Bucks podcast, and it applies here, of course, uh, as well, since both, well, Tampa and Washington, you may have heard, Touchdown Tommy is no more, at least for them. Their team's tied to rumors about pursuing Russell Wilson, of course, the multi-time Pro Bowl quarterback. But to truly get an answer on what it'll take, why don't we turn to our locked-on guy, our locked-on brethren, on the ground, boots on the ground, our guy Corbin Smith, who does a great job on the Seahawks beat for both locked-on and Sports Illustrated. For a second straight offseason, Plenty of speculation out there about Russell Wilson's future with the Seahawks. Will he be back in the Pacific Northwest in 2022, or will he take his talents to another destination? A number of teams have been linked to Wilson so far this offseason. The Washington Commanders, Denver Broncos, as well as the New Orleans Saints and a number of other teams. What's it going to take for somebody to be able to acquire Russell Wilson? This isn't necessarily going to fire up other fan bases, but... In order to make a deal work, the Seahawks are not in a position where they are wanting to rebuild. Pete Carroll is going to be 71 years old this next season. John Schneider is now going to be in his 13th year as general manager. They have a lot of pieces on both sides of the football they feel can help them contend in the NFC West despite finishing 7-10 and last season. They're still believed that this team can 
bounce back and be a contender, not only in the division, but in the conference, trying to get back to the Super Bowl in 2022. So they're not going to be trading away Russell Wilson for a bag of peanuts. They're not going to be trading him away for just a couple of first-round picks either. They need to have a proven quarterback back in return. And so for teams like the Washington Commanders and the Denver Broncos, it is going to be very difficult for them to come up with an offer that is going to draw much interest from John Schneider. He is not going to be trading away Wilson and taking on Taylor Heineke or Drew Locke or if the Broncos re-sign Teddy Bridgewater. Those are not the type of quarterbacks that they're going to be making this trade for. This is not a great quarterback draft class either. So ultimately, it's going to be very difficult for any team to come up with a deal that's good enough to bring in Russell Wilson. And based on what I've been told, number three wants to stay in Seattle. That is his preference. He's looked at other options. Teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could be intriguing. But again, what kind of package are the Buccaneers going to be able to provide that is going to be sufficient enough for John Schneider to trade away the best quarterback the Seahawks have had in their franchise, a player that's still in the prime of his career. I don't see it. I don't see any of those teams being able to put together a package with multiple first-round picks and a proven quarterback. If there's a team out there that might be able to throw together a deal, the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr has been a top 15, arguably top 10 quarterback at times in his NFL career. If the Raiders were willing to put together a package with multiple first-round picks and Derek Carr and the Seahawks were actually open to making a move, Russell Wilson signed off on it, waived his no-trade clause, that might be the one team out there that could make sense. But at the end of the day, very few of these other teams that are looking to get Russell Wilson, there's a reason they want Russell Wilson. They don't have an established quarterback that is a franchise-caliber QB. And the Seahawks are going to want that type of player back in return to jettison Russell Wilson to ensure that they remain competitive. There just aren't very many options out there that check off that box. All right, Corbin, thank you very much. Well done. Uh, and David, I, you know, look, he mentioned Derek Carr and obviously the Vegas Raiders. He mentioned Taylor Heineke. And, and I don't blame John Schneider and Pete Carroll if they look around and say, hmm, Russell Wilson or Taylor Heineke. I guess the only other quarterback and team that kind of made sense to me in all of this would be maybe Philadelphia trading Jalen Hurts, a talented athletic quarterback, somewhat in the mold of Russell Wilson, still very much under control and more proven. But I mean, this has been the problem all along, the cost of doing business with Seattle or in the, you know, in any other case, Green Bay or what have you. But specific to this case, the cost of doing business is so enormous. Does Russell Wilson want to go to a team that is then ravaged and doesn't have the ability to surround him with better talent and better, you know, things in the future? Right. And, and that's I think that's the biggest thing that Russell Wilson is going to have to consider when he's uh, talking about maybe waiving his, his no trade clauses not putting himself in a position that's just as bad you right. know, in Seattle or or even worse potentially because, again, like you said, the, the the draft capital that team is going to have to give up prohibits them from really going out. I mean, they could hit on some third-round gems and all that stuff, but now you're in a position where teams would like to hit on a third-round gem or try to hit on a third-round gem, and now you have to hit a third-round gem if you're trying to build around them. And I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I mean, look, their defense still isn't the greatest in the world. Their offense, you know, still has some some issues there. I mean, Quez Watkins is your number two wide receiver. Without first round picks, without second round picks, you're, where are you going to find your number two wide receiver? You're, you're going to maybe find him in in free agency. But if you're looking in the draft again, finding a number two wide receiver just with the snap of a finger in the third round is not an easy thing to do. So, I think Corbin, I think Corbin is correct here. I think Russell Wilson is a good goal 
for teams to have worth the conversation, worth the phone call. Uh, but I think Pete Carroll being 71, I think that's something that Corbin hits on that a lot of people aren't taking into consideration here. Pete Carroll does not have time to groom a Malik Willis, a Kenny Pickett, a Taylor Heineke, even a Jalen Hurts. Like Jalen, for as talented as he is, he's got a lot of growth still ahead of him if he's going to become one of those quarterbacks. And I agree with Corbin. I don't think Pete Carroll is in a position similar to Bruce Arians in Tampa. We keep talking uh, to Tampa sports fans to keep up bringing up Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is going to miss about half this season. Bruce Arians is, is perhaps in his last lap around the NFL schedule. He doesn't have time to deal with a quarterback that's going to be out for half the year potentially and then have to come back in and get back into the groove of things. So these are all considerations. And honestly, after listening to Corbin, Chris, I'm, I'm kind of fully on the Derek Carr train. Like I want to see Washington go after Derek Carr uh, and maybe maybe trade a Deron Payne or somebody else uh, and some draft picks, maybe keep some of their higher picks and, and get some talent around them uh, to help make this thing run. The options are endless. And you know where the options are endless too? With our friends at Built Bar. That's right. Oh, yeah, baby. Maybe more options than the quarterback market of 2022. David and I tell you guys about Built Bar all the time. This is the time of the year where everybody's kind of given up on their New Year's resolution, right? It's cold. It's still nasty. It's one day it's 70 degrees. One day it's 30 degrees. Nobody feels like going to the gym. Nobody wants to eat healthy. But Built Bar allows you to eat healthy and enjoy doing it. And if you haven't tried beyond on the just built bar uh, line of products the built bar puffs the built bar puffs are awesome baby all sorts of new different flavors i love the banana cream pie trust me you're gonna love it too also coconut marshmallow and the cinnamon sure uh they are available in the built bar puffs plus you can still order all your regular favorite built bar products and flavors. Of course, as you know, David loves the mint brownie. I love anything with peanut butter and chocolate. And the best part is Built Bars and the Puffs are healthy for you. Of course, 130 or so calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 or so grams of protein, just wonderful for you. Go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off whatever you want to order. Again, by using the promo code LOCKED15 with our friends at Built.com. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or... Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Final segment here, final segment of the week of this episode as well for the Locked on Washington Commanders podcast. David Harrison and Chris Russell joining you here together for the first time this week, actually, and wrapping up this week at the same time at D Harrison 82 on Twitter 
at WrestleMania621 at LO Commanders. We had a question on Twitter earlier this week, Chris, about whether or not Chase Young would be acceptable as a trade piece and about the merits of Washington potentially trading for accused Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, who's still tangled up in his civil case and still not completely, at least from last reports, not completely out of the woods on criminal charges either just to restate kind of my stance on things. And of course, obviously look, if he's facing criminal charges, this thing is going to drag on for much, much Mm -hmm. longer than it already has. Um, So that kind of just wipes out the entire conversation. Right. But if the criminal charges don't come and the civil trial gets figured out, resolves in in some way, shape or form, then Deshaun Watson is going to play football again. Uh, He's going to play football in 2022. My prediction is he's going to miss probably eight games uh, of the regular season depending on how the civil trial uh, goes through. Look, I mean, it, depending on how it, how it really comes out, uh, potentially you could see the NFL go ahead and slap him with a full season suspension. That would be something, obviously, that we'll talk about in the moment. But if he is playing in 2022, basically, Chris, the way I broke it down is there, there is there's a moral standard here that, that I love about people and that I really wish the NFL cherished as much as fans really want them to. But at the end of the day, the NFL is going to let him play football again. So if, if that moral decision has already been made, the question you have from a franchise standpoint is, do you want to play with him or do you want to play against him? Is it worth the PR firestorm to play with him or is it worth saving the PR firestorm and to allow to play against him? That's really the decision people have to make. Me, I'm a little bit more bold. I'm a little bit braver. I'm a little bit more on the listen. Let him learn from his mistakes. Let him show that he is an improved person here with us. You withstand the firestorm. You win some games. And once you're in the playoffs, I mean, you look at the Cleveland Browns and Kareem Hunt. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. Once you're putting winning products on the field and you don't even have to win championships, look at the Cleveland Browns. A lot of that stuff tends to flow into the backdrop. Yeah, I mean, eventually he'll get past all the drama, all the questions, all the black cloud of controversy, all the you know dead spin articles and the finger pointing at you know, whoever, whatever franchise signs him. And eventually he'll settle down and play football. I think we know that. He's young enough, good enough, talented enough, enough of a track record, David, where that's going to happen. The question is, is how much do you have to endure to get to that other side of the bridge, if you will, right? And what franchise is doing that absorbing of the criticism? Is it the Washington Commanders, who obviously have not handled anything well uh, over a long, long period of time, and certainly do not deal with dumpster fires and controversies, uh, and, and, and because of what has been accused of the owner and executive management, is it really a good fit, or is it going to be a stable franchise, a well-run franchise for the most part, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is allegedly supposedly where Deshaun Watson is looking at the most, maybe even looking at Kevin O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings if they make a move on Kirk Cousins. But that that's the thing for me. I don't want Deshaun Watson here because I don't have any faith this organization, even with Ron Rivera, even with Jason Wright, even with a lot of good people, that they are going to be able to handle and manage the overall situation yeah. when it comes to Deshaun Watson, not to mention the heavy, heavy price that you have to pay. You are going to have to pay every price. Last we knew, the, the Texans were asking three first and two second round picks, if I remember correctly. Of course, again, I think the fact that he's going to miss games in the current season you're asking for the trade does play an impact, but how much of an impact, we don't know. Speaking of trades, though, Chris, another question that came up, Chase Young as a potential trade piece. Right. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about a lot of people basically responding, no, you do not trade Chase Young. But, I mean, listen, uh, 
the game the game is run by quarterbacks. So if Chase Young is the difference between Deshaun Watson, if, the, if Chase Young is the difference between Russell Wilson, do you make that trade? How far down the list do you go? What if the Raiders call and say Chase Young for Derek Carr straight up? What do you say then? I think everything's on the table. I think it's more than just Chase Young. I think it's Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Terry McLaurin could be. I mean, I'm not saying that they would, but could be for the right deal, the right structure to get them over the top, uh, what have you. Deron Payne, I think the only guy that is truly untradeable because of A, his talent, B, his production, C, how hard to trade his contract would be would be Jonathan Allen but I can't even 100% rule that out so the answer is yes Ron Rivera I think truly would consider trading remember how frustrated Ron and the coaching staff was with Chase Young specifically last year David before the injury that is something to keep in mind now coming off of an injury uh, yes, there are questions to be answered here. Yes, I do believe he would be dangled in the right situation, the right deal. And Ron admitted, not by using Chase's name, right. he admitted that he would absolutely be willing to use assets already on their roster earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, 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 especially with a talented draft class, like a lot of people are, are kind of confusing the lack of a strong quarterback class for the lack of a strong class. This is a very strong draft class in some very specific areas. And specifically the top of the quarterback group, very strong. Uh, the pass rusher, the edge rusher group, especially four, three down linemen, very strong. Uh, the wide receiver class is very strong. So you talk about potential options to trade and listen, and I, I kind of did a little spitball in here, here, Chris, William Jackson did not have the greatest first run nope. with, with Washington. Right. And I'm not saying you should always give up after a guy out of one year. But if you trade William Jackson, and that's that sounds crazy because those new contracts, especially early on the first couple seasons, that dead money really, really hurts. You're talking about 12 million bucks in dead cash. But if you trade William Jackson and you trade Deron Payne and you throw in, I don't know, two third round picks to the Las Vegas Raiders and you bring in Derek Carr and you draft Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati to replace William Jackson, and then you go in and you you draft one of these talented D linemen and another edge rusher to go with Chase and Montez. And now you have Derek Carr. And then in the fourth or fifth round, you go get yourself a Christian Watson out of North Dakota State or, or a Terrell Austin the third out of Memphis. You've got a very, very talented team on paper. They got to stay healthy. They got to come together. They got to gel all that stuff. But you've got a very, very talented roster, Chris. And you've got a quarterback that has shown in the past. Remember, the last time Derek Carr had a very good offense put around him and a defense he could rely on. He was on an MVP caliber pace, and his team was one of the favorites entering the playoffs until he broke his ankle. That really kind of derailed uh, the entire thing. And then from then on, the Raiders just kind of shipped all their all their pieces around Derek Carr away and just left him there with uh, Hunter Renfro is his number one wide receiver. I mean, you know, and, and the Raiders still uh, were competing for a playoff spot. So I think a lot of people are associating Derek Carr's record with his talent, and, and right. I think that's one of those unfair situations. Look. Uh, that trade right there, William Jackson, Deron Payne, you actually gain cap space, Chris, because of how much Deron Payne saves you. Even though you take that salary cap, that exactly. that's money hit, you actually save money and you got yourself Derek Carr. To me, Jason, if you could, if you could make Jason, that work, I'm, Jason, I'm with you. Not, yeah. not, only, not only this, but you're, you're forgetting, right? William Jackson, the third, not only struggled yep. and was beat up. 
But David, he's not a fit in this system. Right. They, they they signed him to play more man, yeah. and then they realized they're more of his own team, and it, right. and that's not a natural fit for William Jackson, and really it might not be a natural fit for Benjamin St. Juice as well. But William Jackson is the. Yeah, real I told you I liked player. him better as a free safety, right? When he came out of the Senior Bowl, remember that last year? I said I liked yes. him better as a free safety. We'll see Absolutely. what happens. So I, I like I like your thinking, yeah. Aaron. Hey, you know if they could get Derek Carr and again trade. Multiple pieces, maybe, to alleviate some log jams and some salary and all that stuff. I like what you're thinking. Certainly, that idea. Whilst maybe it sounds crazy to some, I think it. it I, I think we should always be thinking outside the box. I don't it's think a, we should nice absolutely track. right. Exactly. So I, I like where you're heading with that. And obviously, the scouting combine in Indianapolis coming up next week. A lot of these crazy rumors and all, not allegations, crazy rumors and trade proposals are certainly going to be discussed in person over alcohol and a good steak. So keep that in mind. Lots of things can happen in Indianapolis. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us for this episode and this week. Thanks again for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast with Ryan Tracy, former NFL quarterback Eric Crocker, who I know David Harrison got comfortable with down in Mobile uh, at the Senior Bowl bringing you the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. If you want to hop in, it's locked on Washington commanders at gmail.com locked on Washington commanders at gmail.com or our voicemail line. We'd love to hear from you. 301-615-3577, 301-615-3577. For David Harrison covering the Washington commanders for SI Comes Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Back next week with all sorts of combine coverage and trade scuttlebutt on the Locked On Commanders Podcast. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.